This is the Langpreneur podcast where each week we interview experts in the language learning industry who will show you how to turn your passion for languages into a profitable online business so that you can create an independent career doing something you love. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everybody, it's Jan and you're listening to the Langpreneur podcast. Today we have another special guest for you and his name is Ikenna Obi. And you might know him from, you might have seen him on a YouTube channel with a similar name, Ikenna. Now he grew his YouTube channel from zero to half a million subscribers in less than three years. Um, You know, you might wonder how. If you've listened to other interviews here on the podcast with other YouTubers, you know, you might have uh, realized that some of them actually build a huge channel without really realizing it, without really having a strategy. Well, he cannot did that differently because from the beginning, he has always been very strategic when it comes to going viral and building a huge YouTube channel. And, um, well, his strategies have worked pretty well so far. Many of his videos went viral. Um, if you don't know who Ken is or what he does, basically creates video in multiple languages. He's a polyglot. He speaks lots of languages as well. And uh, yeah, he creates videos that are fun, educational, and sometimes inspirational as well. Now, in this interview today, you're going to learn how he got started on YouTube how he turned his YouTube channel into a business and when that happened. And uh, yeah, he's also going to share with us how he went from 250 to half a million subscribers in less than a year. Um, Yeah, he did that very intentionally. And we're also going to talk about the power of YouTube retargeting ads, something we haven't really talked about on the podcast so far, but that's something that has really worked well for Ikenna over the last year. Now, Before we start with the interview, as always, let's first go say thank you to our sponsor. How much faster could your language business grow with expert help? If you have the feeling that you're not using the full potential of your business or you're at a point where you need some expert help, then I have good news for you because this month we're taking on three new clients for our 101 Langpreneur coaching program. In this program, we help you accelerate the growth of your business and tackle some of the challenges that you are facing. So we can help you with branding, product launches, increasing sales conversion and attracting more dream clients. Now, of course, we also help you accountable and answer all your questions 24-7 so that you don't get stuck. Now, I will be personally coaching you one-on-one based on everything that I've learned working from working one-on-one with all those successful Langpreneurs, hosting summits, workshops, and mastermind events for Langpreneurs like you. And, you know, also from all the things that I've learned of building my own online language business and based on what I know is working for other Langpreneurs who are crushing it in the industry. Now, if this sounds like something for you, then head over to langpreneur.com forward slash coaching and book a free strategy call and see if you qualify because we only accept people we think we can help transform their businesses and their lives. Again, go to langpreneur.com forward slash coaching, fill out the application form, and then I'm looking forward to talking to you soon. Okay, guys, welcome back. Now, let's get ready. Here's my interview with Ikenna. Hope you enjoy. 
Hey Ikenna, welcome to the Langpreneur podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, yeah, how did you get started on YouTube? Yeah, thanks for having me. So basically, um, I got started on YouTube, uh, I think it was maybe three years ago. Um, first, I started with kind of like fitness videos, then I transformed and I, I started like making... Um, uh, music content where essentially I would react to music from different countries, Dutch hip hop, French hip hop, uh, that started to go well. And then, uh, I, I started actually making my own music and then I transferred from, I transformed from that to actually, uh, making language content. And then from there, the kind of rest, rest is history. Uh, if you guys don't know who I am, um, basically I run this YouTube channel by the same name, also Ikena. Um, and I try to make language content, language learning content that is uh, both fun, uh, educational, and sometimes inspirational. Yeah. Well, you've managed to build a huge channel in only three years' time, right? I think you are like at over half a million subscribers. You're still pretty young as well. Um, how old are you, if I may ask? Uh, I'm 23. Yeah, just 23 years old. Yeah. <laughs> you managed to build this channel. When you started, you were still at university or what were you doing at the time that's a good question um let's see so i was 20 years old uh i didn't go to university right away um i was kind of like uh one of the, one of these kids i was like i'm not gonna go to university i'm gonna make it big somehow and i'm gonna i think my plan back then was to 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 make money on the stock market because my dad my dad like likes to trade um he loves to tr he loves to trade on the stock market and he kind of taught me the the ropes, but um, even even for him, the stock market is is completely uh, like it's a wild beast. Like some some days you're you're you know you're up two hundred bucks, a thousand bucks. Next days you're you're, you're you know you're down two thousand bucks. So uh, that plan didn't really work out. Uh, so I moved to the city with my I moved to the city with my mom to kind of pursue this this um this stock market dream and it, it this was back this in was, new york or? this was this was back in new york so yeah. this was uh new york city and um it didn't really go too well so um this is during my whole gap year so like the year before you kind of go to college sometimes it's not super common but some people do kind of take a year just to kind of try to figure it out so my thought process was okay if i can you know make it big and, and this year then i don't have to go to college yeah you know especially college in america is ex extremely expensive so i kind of didn't want to go down that route uh long story short and really work out so uh, i got a job at this company called the general assembly which like taught people like for example uh, it was like a digital digital marketing boot camps, UI design boot camps. It was a really cool company, but through working there, I mean, it was really really cool. It was a startup. You could lie down when you were working on the couch. It was it was really chill. But even even with that, I, I, there was something kind of missing. I, I didn't really have um, any passion when it came to working for other people, even if it was the, the coolest atmosphere, environment, coolest people that I was working with. It wasn't. It wasn't for me. So um, basically, I started my YouTube channel um, in the summer. Basically, uh, yeah, in, in the summer after my whole gap year, right before I went to university. And that at that time, it was just let's say just fitness videos. I did this like two-year fitness transformation that you kind of see on YouTube, where I, I showed my body before and my body after. Um, and it just started very, very kind of. 
yeah, just very, very humble, very modest. It wasn't, it wasn't anything too crazy. Um, I decided to go to university in Netherlands. That's why I, um, I wanted to learn Dutch. And um, when I was in Netherlands, I made a few like kind of funny videos. I made, you know, 10 reasons why I love the Netherlands. I made uh, reacting to Dutch hip hop. Um, and yeah, it, it, it kind of took off from there. So it, I started it officially. I was like kind of in between. I was about to go to university, yeah. I should say. Yeah. But was Dutch the first foreign language that you learned? No. So the first foreign language that I learned was uh, Japanese. That was from between the time of uh, 15 years old to 17 years old. Um, and I say learned kind of roughly because I'm still learning it today. But um, it was my first shot at a, at a foreign language. Me, I'm monolingual. Well, I was raised monolingual. So um, it was the... It was the first attempt at, at learning another language and uh, probably one of the hardest languages to, to, to go after as a, as a first one as well. But uh, I was just I was just um, captivated by the culture and the media surrounding uh, Jap surrounding you know Japan, whether that be dramas or anime or anything like that. So it really inspired me to learn Japanese. And then from there, uh, I learned um, I, I got good enough in Japanese that I, I did a homestay. So I actually stayed in Japan for a few weeks with a Japanese family um, and I survived. So I kind of checked it off my list, even though it wasn't perfect. I was like, you know what, it's time to move on. I want to, I want to, I want to uh, experience something else. And when I was in Japan, I, I ended up meeting this, this Russian girl and she taught me uh, some Russian bad words. And I was like, whoa, this language sounds, sounds pretty interesting, pretty cool. So that's kind of, what's got me to switch from Japanese to Russian and after that um, yeah then it's been Dutch French etc yeah so when was the moment you decided to start making videos about language learning when was the moment um hmm. this was when you were at university in the Netherlands maybe it was even a little bit after. So my history with universities, I told you I'm not really a college person. I've dropped out now of three universities. Um, the first one, the first one was in the Netherlands. It was uh, Universiteit Twente. Um, before going to university uh, or to University of Twente, I had to do like this, this uh, one year kind of program. Um, it was like a pre-university program. That's when I think I started making YouTube videos. Um, I started learning how to make music as well uh, at that time. So then I kind of started making videos re revolving around, uh, you know, music, whether that's reaction videos or music production videos. Um, and then, yeah, it just kind of went from went from there. So why do you why do you continue with language learning videos and, and not go back to the music stuff and the fitness? Um, I think it, it was where my passion it's just where my passion lied. Um, for example, even my girlfriend, like she's an amazing singer. She used to be signed to like a proper, uh, like big label in, 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 in America. She, she musically, she's like spot on. If you, if you tell her to sing da, 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 she's going to sing every, every note, like almost like pitch perfect, which is, which is amazing to see. But when I compared my abil when I compared my abilities to her, I was like, "Well, my musical ear is like completely garbage compared to her." Uh, you know, like I see, I, I see real talent, and I know I don't really have that from music. But she, even her, she, she was like, "You know, what I can do with music, you can kind of do with languages." And so I kind of, it, I kind of just gradually trans trans 
for the content from from music to language stuff. Uh, sometimes I would tie, like, my 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 goal was to go from music to languages, and then I was like, okay, how do I do that? So then I made uh, content about music, but in in different languages. So for example, I would react to Dutch hip hop, uh, French hip hop. French music, my my favorite French songs, stuff like that, and it gave me an opportunity to use the languages that I learned um, in order to also talk about music. And those videos in particular did very very well. The first video I did with like reacting to Dutch Dutch hip hop within like the first month got like 200, 300,000 views. Yeah, and you were um, still very small at the time. I was still very small. I had I had probably less than like 10,000 subscribers oh, at the really? time. Oh. So so that's what brought in. Uh, a lot of the subscribers and, and my advice to anyone who, who does want to, to create a YouTube channel is um, find something that ties into your passion or ties into your niche, uh, but is also somewhat trending. Back at that time, people reacting to like foreign music was, was super trending. You'd have complete, you know, uh, beginners to YouTube getting 10,000, 50,000, 100,000, even a million views. There was this one girl, she had like 7,000 subscribers, but she posted like a reaction to German hip hop, 1 million something views. Uh, so I did the same thing. And I eventually now I think that video is up to like 1.5 million views, the, the one that I did. So that's kind of what started everything. Uh, albeit it is a little bit annoying when you start with content that you're not passionate about because then you have a lot of your fans who know you for something else and they're like, hey, make more reaction videos, more reaction videos. With me, I'm an introvert. I don't really react too much in general i process everything in, internally so i'm not whenever i had to create reaction videos it felt extremely forced and it wasn't you know music it's a little bit easier because you can dance around but it wasn't it wasn't where i was passionate about so eventually i was able to transition that audience that i, I gained maybe fifty thousand subscribers from from those kind of from that music related content to um language learning and that was kind of it was it was probably one of the hardest things to do, but it was it, it paid off in the end because um, with YouTube you need you need an, an initial audience of maybe ten thousand, twenty thousand, thirty thousand subscribers in order to make other content do well. For, so, for example, if you have if you have, I mean, any you can kind of go viral at any time, um, but it is it is much more easy is much easier I should say if you have let's say um, instead of having a hundred subscribers you have 10,000 because then when you put out a very very good video already you have maybe a thousand people that will go and watch it right away they can share it with their fans much easier to get that momentum yeah yeah it's, it's much easier to get initial traction what happens and I think I think everyone's been here before what happens when you have 100 subscribers and you put out this amazing video that you spent two months working on and you're so proud and you're so five views one of them's from your from your mom you know it's 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 very demoralizing so it, it is very important to kind of go after topics that people are searching um even if it isn't like a super viral topic maybe something that does well in the google or the youtube search al algorithm or search engine for example if you're if you're making polish content or uh co like you know videos about learning like, like learning polish you can you can make you know five easiest ways to learn polish or five best resources to learn to learn po uh, polish things that people are actually searching because even if you don't have a lot of subscribers people can still find your content and you can grow like that so is that how you recommend people to start, um, basically by making videos on topics that are trending? 
yes and no. So definitely make content that is uh, trending or can have a potential to, to, to trend, but don't force yourself to make like unrelated content. So for example, you know, if you want to get into, um, say, teaching Spanish, right, on, on, on YouTube or teaching German or teaching a specific language, don't do a makeup challenge because it's trending, you know. Don't yeah, do a hundred yeah, layer yeah. challenge or something like that, completely unrelated. Try to blend existing challenges with whatever content that you're making. That's what I would kind of recommend. So, for example, you know, uh, music reaction was was doing very very well at the time so I was like oh how can I blend this with what I'm, I'm, I'm already doing so what I did was I um, made music reaction videos but to foreign music so for example Dutch music French music but in those videos I actually spoke um, some Dutch I spoke some French I pretended like I was just a normal American at first and then all of a sudden I switched to Dutch I switched to French and because of that people uh, whenever you surprise people, they they have a tendency to share those videos or or or, or do stuff like that. When when you see American reacts to Dutch hip hop, you're not going to think, okay, this American sp- can speak Dutch. So that's kind of how I was able to take something that was trending, put my own spin on it, and do it in a way that it had that kind of X factor. It had something that that really made people want to share it. So it's hard. Every like what you create is definitely going to be more specific to whatever you're trying to make. There's no one size fit all kind of solution. However, that generally I think is, is the the best way to go about starting in the beginning that or creating videos that can be, uh, that are easily searchable. For example, the top five X and then, you know, the top 10 ways to, yeah. to learn X. Yeah. So how do you know what's trending? You go to Google trends or how do you do that? Um, you can go to Google trends, but I, I would just recommend, uh, watching, yeah, watching as much, not watching as much YouTube, but, um, <laughs> cause that's going to be a little bit unproductive, but just <laughs> being on the, on the platform as much as possible, just to kind of keep an eye on what is, what is, uh, what is trending definitely um oh, what other channels are doing yeah things. yeah i mean normally if you, if you are interested in language learning and your language learning uh, you want to create a business around language learning um i would assume already you have like you know a number of youtubers that you watch that either are inspirations to you or help teach you or help um kind of give you ideas how to teach other people um so i would look at what they're doing i would if you don't have them i would look for youtubers that kind of inspire you um and and just see the content that that goes that does the best for them and either a try to replicate it b try to put your own spin on it or 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 all of the above essentially um you you definitely i'll tell you this it's very hard to try to come up with a viral video concept out of nothing um as the saying goes, what I think it's like God gave you eyes to see. So you know, the, the, I mean, copy a little bit or emulate a little bit. Um, not not to make it religious, but um, you know, you have eyes. Just you know, look look on YouTube, see see what is working, see what is not working, see what is what is doing the best, and and try to um, not necessarily copy it, copy it, but emulate it and, and make it your own. Um, make it your own so when people come to your video they're like hmm I've never really seen it done this way before and that is what makes them want to subscribe to you Mm -hmm. let's go back to the beginning stages of when you started um, with your YouTube channel because when was actually the moment for you that you realized that you had a business in hand ah that's a good question Um, I would say uh, hmm 
maybe around 50,000 subscribers. 50,000? Um, yeah, but I didn't, I, because I didn't necessarily do things the right way. So normally you could probably already start making money around maybe 10,000 subscribers um, through through uh, AdSense, through like, for example, selling selling merchandise or anything like that. To this day, I still don't even really sell merchandise. I have an ebook which does which does well for me, uh, but I, I really do don't have too many products. Um, and that's that's the hard thing. Always trying to either a spend time on making videos or b spend time making products. But um, but definitely, if you had like a bit of merchandise, or if you had a little catchphrase that you always are saying that you know your fans are kind of passionate about, I think you could probably start start turning it into a business. Or for example, if you were selling your own book on how to learn German, how to learn Spanish, uh, you could definitely start turning it into business earlier on. Maybe even starting from five thousand subscribers, um, you know, combined with like AdSense revenue. Because even for me today, AdSense doesn't generate too much, relatively. Like. You would assume, okay, if someone's getting, you know, hundreds of thousands of views or in, in some cases, you know, I don't know, like five, six million views in, in a month's time, the person is, you know, I don't know, you always see these these people that have like crazy high like CPM rates, like they make $10 per thousand video uh, for, per thousand views or, you know, uh, $5 per thousand views. Me, I'd make like, I think it's like two. Or, or one, it's, it's, it's really not high. So you definitely have to supplement whatever you're making through Google AdSense or YouTube AdSense with like selling, whether that be merchandise or your own how to learn a language book or how to, you know, if you're trying to teach German, five German tips and you can sell it for two bucks, but you know, it gets people on your email list and whatnot. Yeah. So yeah. So when you had 50,000 subscribers, you, you were able to live off it, of the channel just with AdSense or did you already have a product at the time? Um, I don't think I had a product at the time until I was around 80,000 subscribers. Um, but uh, perhaps I was, I was able to live off of it due to um, being a student. <laughs> not really, I don't really have too much expenses. It's not like I have, um, you know, kids or a... Um, you know, I, I, I was, or even a, even a girlfriend back then. I was single, so I was really like, kind of in you know college, eating ramen every day kind of mode. So, so my expenses were very very little. So YouTube did take care of that. Um, but had I supplemented my YouTube AdSense with, you know, some a product of any sort, uh, whether that be merchandise or hey, here's how to learn Spanish or here's how to learn Dutch or whatever, like it, it would have, I would have probably generated more money than than uh, what I did. So what were some of the most effective strategies that you've used when it comes to building a YouTube channel? I mean, I remember that last year you joined us at the, uh, the Mastermind event in Croatia, which took mm. place in October. So that was mm -hmm. like 10 or, yeah, I think 10 months ago. And you were at, I'm not sure, but I think you were at like 250,000 subscribers. And now like you double that in just in less than a year. Yeah, how, that, that, how, that was... <laughs> how can that happen? That was definitely intentional. I'll, I'll give you, um, um, I'll give you two things. So the first one is setting setting a goal uh, and rewarding yourself if you hit that goal. So for example, me, I was perfectly content with hitting, you know, from going from a hundred thousand subscribers to three hundred thousand subscribers this year. By the end of this year, let alone right now, I'm at like five hundred something, and it's and it's May or something. But the reason why that that growth was uh, so high is the fact that I've wanted a dog for the last 
23 years of my life, I've always been denied a dog because my dad was, initially my dad was scared of dogs when I was a kid. He's not scared of dogs anymore, but being that he's from Nigeria, dogs over there would like, you know, would they weren't uh, like American dogs. Sometimes they would bite people. Um, so I think he got a bit, he got bit a few times ever then, ever since then, when I was growing up, he was terrified of dogs, even like, even small dogs. I mean, he's a big, you know, uh, muscular Nigerian dude, but like if it was a, even a, a little Shih Tzu, he would, he would he'd be running away. But, um, so I always wanted a dog and I told myself, Hey, if you can get to 1.5 million, something ludicrous, right? 1.5 million subscribers by the end of this year, you know, well, Assuming then you'd probably be making enough so that you could have, you know, you could probably hire someone to to help, uh, you know, with 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 the dog, and it wouldn't take away too much from your YouTube responsibilities or your business responsibilities. You know, it can. I'm I'm giving you. It's weird because third person, but I'm I'm giving you permission to finally, after all this time, have a dog, right? Um, that is like for me, there's no bigger motivation. So I just went crazy. I with that as my end goal, I was like, okay, I, I try to just plan out, plan out. How can I do this? How can I do this? You know what? With the current trajectory of things, there's no way I'm going to hit this number. I need to innovate. How do I innovate? Well, then basically a thousand different kind of ways popped up in my head. Um, one way that kind of stuck was this whole VR chat thing. So um, a while back, I, I saw I saw I started watching these. Uh, if, if, for the people who don't know what VR chat is, VR chat is basically this virtual reality chat where you can kind of go into virtual reality and you can change your body, you can change your avatar, you can be a big SpongeBob avatar, you can be an avatar from an anime from anime that you watch, you can be you know Family Guy, you can be whatever, right? Your body is not really important. You can change what your body looks like uh, and. I, I was watching videos like that, just like basic, funny, like stupid kind of teenage uh, teenage videos where these guys were going around and they were having a laugh and, and you know, shit talking and all that stuff. Um, but then I saw someone else who who like tried to speak a bit of Japanese, just a little bit like konnichiwa, you know, stuff like this um, to people. Um, and I was like, huh. And, and that was kind of how I, I synthesized the two ideas. I was like, how how can I make funny content uh, in maybe VR chat, uh, and as opposed to having to go outside and and me like struggling in the cold trying to find people who speak all these different languages, I can go into these different servers and I can just practice my languages like that, and I can get my reactions. I can get reactions like that to 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 my abilities, and that's kind of when the where the idea was was born. Um, and I was like, oh, let me see if that, if that works out. I don't know. Maybe people won't react to it nicely. The first video I ended up doing got, uh, I think over a million views. It might be at 2 million views now. Uh, and I posted that just before Christmas. So, or just after Christmas. So, um, it, it worked out well. And, and the main reason why that happened was when I had that goal, I was like, okay, you know, if I do hit this goal, I'm going to treat myself to something extremely nice, something I've always wanted. Um, and I should have the finances to 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 support that goal as well if everything goes well. Um, but two, uh, again, I, I was looking at YouTube and I was like, YouTube was the the instrument that inspired me to to create this this new content. It was not creating it from scratch. It was a synthesis. It was taking two three things that I I saw and combining it together. 
Um, another inspiration for that was uh, I saw this girl who uh, I think she was in a Korean video and she ended up speaking like 12 languages in that one video. Christine. Uh, yeah, yeah. I saw Christine's video and I was like, whoa, that's so cool. Like, that's what I was planning to do. But in like three years, dang, <laughs> I need to come up with something so I can actually start start practicing for that and start doing that right away. And that's so it was a combination of that video, the funny VR chat video and the language VR chat video that I saw. And I combined it all together. So it's so, really looking at what's going on. What are the trends? What am I good at? What and how can you combine all of those things? Exactly. To come with something unique that people exactly, watch, like, exactly. share. What, what is unique about you? What is the, the thing? What is your X factor? What is the thing that you can bring that no one else can bring? Whether, that can, whether that's your personality even, your humor, uh, whether that's your knowledge of a language, whether that's your experience going from zero to, you know, C2 in, in a language and you want to bring other people to that and uh, to that level and almost no one has the same experience. Um, for example, a good ex example of that is um, like, for example, Shaoma or Matt versus Japan, people who've, who've gotten, um, there's a lot of people on YouTube, for example, even even me, where we've gotten our languages to like, let's say intermediate level, fair enough. We, we like having conversations with people. We're not really striving for the near native, whereas someone like that or those two people, they've gotten the languages to such a high level that they do have that kind of um, that uh, that special character about them that other people can't really easily replicate. So um, when you take whatever is unique to you and you apply that and you create content um, that is specific to uh, you create unique content based off of what is unique about you, even if the content that you are modeling or something already exists. That is what works, I feel. That is what works. No one wants to watch what is already out there, um, just kind of redone in the same way. And um, also people, you know, yeah, it's essentially that. So, so come up with something that is original, probably based off of other existing content, but make it your own through whatever is special about you. Yeah. So just for the listeners who haven't seen your videos, um, so what Ikena did last year before Christmas is he basically... He made a video where he, um, where he was well, playing VR chat, walking around in this virtual world, and he was basically approaching people, and then all of a sudden speak their native language. And I think you spoke like nine, ten, eleven, or like twelve languages. People were surprised, and uh, yeah, those videos ended end up doing ended up doing really well. And I saw that recently. People like Shalma. Um, I'm trying mm -hmm. to convince him to get on the podcast as well. And Matt, sorry, what's his name from Japan? Max? Matt? Uh, versus Japan, yeah. Yeah, Matt. Matt or Max? Uh, Matt. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. Matt versus Japan. So they're doing the same thing. I saw even Steve Kaufman. Uh, yeah, Shoma got Steve Kaufman on there. Yeah. I was, I was yeah. very impressed. <laughs> so it's, it's very entertaining, right? You see those guys going, walking around this virtual world and then all of a sudden speak like super high level Chinese and the reactions that, I mean, even, even I am watching these videos, usually I don't watch like nonsense or, or like yeah, entertainment yeah, like, videos, but this is, it's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so, well, that seemed to be working and, and then what, then you, you start doing more of that or like, yeah, uh, another, another tip I would, I would give people, especially in the YouTube realm or any kind of realm, if something, if something's working, go with it, run with it, you know, 
me, I'm a person that I don't like to kind of keep on doing the same thing because I eventually I do kind of get a bit bored or or I'm demotivated. But there are a lot of people who they do, they don't mind. So I would I would recommend if something works, if something is getting you, even if it's only ten thousand or five thousand views, but normally you're used to getting fifty views, analyze what exactly you did and recreate that, and also not not just recreate it, but try to improve on it. For example, I feel like my um, my dad will will, will will testify to this. Uh, my my VR chat videos have kind of gotten um, better over time because I've gotten more used to um, uh, like I've gotten more used to creating them. So, for example, the first video that I did, my dad was like, "Oh, that is such a cool idea." The second one, he was like, oh, "I don't I don't really understand this one. I don't I don't I don't get it. I think I think the first one was better." Then I was like, "Huh? Why did he say that?" I kind of looked at my video critically. I was like, oh, "Okay, okay, I see, I see. Maybe, maybe I didn't do this or I didn't do this. It was a bit confusing." The third video I did, he was like, "Oh, I love it. It was your best video yet." So it's kind of that. Uh, um, and he he's he's not really someone easy to to please like that. So I was like, "Okay, I really took that that to heart." And I was like, "Huh? So so I can actually get this content that I'm, I'm that I'm making that is actually already doing well, and I can improve upon it and." It goes to show you the first video I did got uh, got quite a bit of views. The second video didn't do as well. The third video, the one that he liked the most, ended up getting I think around two some two million views on on YouTube and another around three million views on Facebook because someone posted it on Facebook with with my permission. So it's 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 always that if something is doing well, double down on that a hundred percent and try to not only double down on it but improve it. One one of the things that people kind of uh, mess up is they they double down on it, but they make the same content over and over and over and over, and their subscribers eventually kind of lose uh, lose their taste for their content. So definitely, definitely uh, double down on what's working, hundred mm. percent. Now, many of our listeners are introverts, and mm -hmm. they might be terrified by the idea of oh, making YouTube question. videos and mm -hmm. putting themselves <laughs> out there. Now, I know you personally. You live here in Brussels. I used to live there as well. Yeah. Um, you join us at the Marvel, like we have hangouts. Um, quite a few times and mm -hmm. what, what I noticed about you the first time that I met you I was mm -hmm. like oh man this guy is actually very different from how he appears to be on YouTube <laughs> like the first time I saw you on YouTube I was like whoa this guy is super extrovert, super extrovert energy, yeah, yeah, yeah. high energy and uh, but mm -hmm. you are actually very um, relaxed so what would you tell people who are who are too shy too shy, definitely. Um, that, that's funny because yeah, everyone who meets me basically has the same reaction. Even my girlfriend was like, when I first met you, I thought something was up because you were so shy and something like that. And then later on, you 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 got like kind of more open. What what happened? So basically, with me, how it works is um, around people I don't know or around just like people like I'm. I, I I like overthink every everything all the time. So I'm always in my own head. Uh, when I'm comfortable, I don't overthink. So that's kind of what makes the difference. So, for example, when we first met up, uh, we did the, the the language mastermind in Croatia that you hosted, uh, which was super super fun, by the way. Um, the first like day or two, I was because it, it's you know ten people that you don't know. I'm like, ooh, uh, you know, uh, why is this person here? What are they doing? What are they, what was going on? Oh, oh, am I sitting weird? Uh, da, 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 da. Like you know, you kind of overanalyze every single thing that that you do, and that's when really. You see my most introverted, more my I guess my most not necessarily introvert but shy side. Um, but later on, I I kind of do uh, open up. And my point is, 
essentially with YouTube, one of the reasons why I do appear extremely extroverted is the fact that I'm comfortable. When I'm comfortable, I can be extremely silly. I can be um, very fun. I can be very outgoing. But if I'm not comfortable, that's when I, I tend to clam up. And I feel like a lot of introverts are the same. So the solution in that case, one, if you are extremely camera shy, if you are uh, just not really super up or super light it's like you know you don't really like to be in front of camera in front of the camera you have to kind of critically analyze why that is um because being in front of the camera if if if, if things go well can actually be a huge boost to your boost to your your business um so you have to kind of look deep down like why is it that i'm i'm not um what what is the emotional reason why i'm, I'm not really comfortable in uh, being in camera is it the, the same same reason why you wouldn't want to go in front of someone and start playing piano because you feel like you're not too good at it. Is it another reason? Is is it maybe a fear of failure? Is it a fear of, of what other people will think about you? I think that third one is probably the 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 the, the, the cherry on the top. That's that's probably the the, the main the main reason. Um, whatever that reason is, you kind of need to uh, psych yourself out of, of of thinking like that because at the end of the day. Only you can can determine how much you you really want your business to work. But if you really really want your business to work and you feel that um, getting in front of a camera will be beneficial to your business, it not always is. Um, sometimes people have personalities where they're really extremely camera shy and they are <clears throat> not specifically like let's say natural on on camera and they, they try to get better at it but they, they have a hard time fair enough there's a lot of different other mediums that you can go about whether that's blogging whether that's email marketing whether that's um whether that's the, even podcasts yeah i was about to say um but if, if you do deem it necessary to kind of get in front of your audience um even if it's infrequently and maybe you don't become a, like a, a youtuber but maybe it's like you know in your email marketing you want to kind of make videos for people um it is a skill that i would recommend learning uh, and at the end of the day it is a skill perhaps it comes net more natural to some people especially probably more extroverted people you always see these story time videos and they have huge audiences in, like like in enthralled by the way that they tell stories fair enough if you're not like like if you're not like that personally, I'm not really like that either. Uh, it is a skill that I've I've worked on, uh, and the only way to get better at a skill is to practice it. Is exactly. to keep on doing it, keep on doing it, seeing what your audience reacts to. You can even ask for for honest uh, for their honest opinions. If you have an audience of a thousand people, five thousand people, you can say, Hey guys, I'm really trying to get more fluid and natural on on camera. What are some things that I can do to to improve? Someone say might say, Oh, you this weird this little weird tick that every time where you're you 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 are wondering about something you like tilt your head super quickly uh maybe stop doing that and yeah and, and you can kind of you can kind of like not, not to mention it's like almost like when you record yourself when you're learning a language and you can see what you're doing video is is visual you can actually see everything it's like looking in the mirror but the mirror has recorded you you know so it's you can really um, improve your body language. You can improve the way you speak, your tonality. Um, maybe in the beginning, you, you kind of talk like this, like all the time, like very unsure because you are kind of lacking that confidence. But the more you do it, the better you will get. I promise you. And the more, the bigger you get as well, the more people you will have that can, if you so desire it, help you to correct any behavior or to improve. So that's it. Don't tell yourself, uh, automatically, you know, I'm not super, um, 
comfortable in front of a camera. It's definitely 100% not for me. No, try it out at least. I think the the saying is maybe I'm coming up with this, but try it out at least 10 times. You know, make 10 10 videos, and by the second one you're gonna want to give up and quit. But maybe by the third one things start going well. Maybe the fourth one does well. Fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. By the tenth one you get comfortable with it. I would say even for, you know, even for podcasts that's what I hear a lot. I heard Tim. I heard Tim Ferriss say that like when he first started a podcast, or maybe, I think it was Tim Ferriss, where he said like initially he was kind of uncomfortable with it, but he, he gave himself a goal of doing at least, I think, six or ten podcasts. And by the end of it, he 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 felt comfortable. He he kind of uh, fell into his rhythm of things. So that's that's what I would recommend people. Don't 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 uh, say it's not for me without actually properly trying it. Yeah. Well, I 100% agree on that. I mean, even when I started the podcast, I still remember the first few episodes. We were thinking, okay, what questions am I going to ask? I wasn't really mm-hmm. interacting, or it was just only asking questions and then let the uh, let yeah. the guests talk. But now these days, I, I I feel it's more natural to have a, a conversation as if we would have a conversation offline, for example. Definitely, so, definitely. Um, and same with the YouTube thing. I mean, for language boost, we think I've created over two or three hundred videos and now like mm-hmm. when someone puts a camera on me you can just say hey everybody this is Jan you're watching language boost and in this <laughs> video we are going you know it's like on autopilot I'm sure it's the same thing for you but the yeah. only way to get there is just by doing it over and over and over again as of course well, of course it's a muscle memory yeah was it like when you started with have you ever been uncomfortable in front of the camera like when you when you when you started or have, I don't you know. always see the potential yeah for me, I think me, uh, um, I can put myself in, com- in uncomfortable situations, whether that's public speaking, whether that's in front of a camera, if it is towards my goal. So, so I always prioritize my goal. If 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 it is like if if I'm really passionate about what I'm doing and I really want to get to this next level, I can put myself in in whatever situation I need to put in myself into to kind of try to try to reach that. Even if I I personally don't like it, I don't really necessarily like public speaking. You know, my voice gets shaky at the start. I sweat, whatever the the normal stuff. Um, but you know, if I'm going to be talking about my YouTube channel or feeling like I can actually do something that, that benefits me, then I will put myself in there. I would say in the beginning, I didn't necessarily start off like terrified of the camera, um, but I did kind of get like, oh, the record button's on uh, and you kind of overthink it. One of the things I would say, actually, I mean, this is a practical tip for people who do overthink um, kind of trying to uh, make YouTube videos. I would say record yourself not actually make the video a few times without even recording yourself. So for example, if you have a script, great, go off of that, you know, read the script a few times in front of the camera, but the camera's off, right? Even to this day as a YouTuber, I, f- I find that when I make, when I record, I sit down to record the first video that I do or the first like take, it's always kind of a little bit crappy. Like I'm like kind of stunted. I'm, talking like this i have a thousand different takes that i do i mm. say hey guys what no hey guys <laughs> like i over i overthink it right but but if i if i shoot a video entirely um and i'm like mm, i'm not really happy with it and i and i redo it that second take that third take is so good mm. I, i'm in the flow because my mind has yeah. already kind of considered all the things that yeah, I wanted exactly. to, yeah. to say. So I would I would definitely go for that. Like if you are new to doing a video, shoot a video at least 
twice before you actually post that before you press the record button and i guarantee you that third time you're going to be much more fluent Mm. you might still overthink it oh my god the record button's on but it's going to be much more natural than whatever your first take is going to be definitely Mm. you have a huge following these days you sometimes get recognized on the in the streets Oh, yeah. Um, I don't go outside of my house, uh, courtesy of being an <laughs> introvert and also quarantine. Um, but the few times I do go out of my house, I've probably been recognized um, around eight to nine times, something like that. Yeah. Um, a few times in Netherlands, a few times, I think. Uh, and the airport in, in Splits last year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When we were in Croatia, someone, someone in the airport came up to me. She was like, oh, my God. I said, why are you here? I was like, oh, that's... That's that's remarkable to just yeah. have people from from around the world. Even when I was in Paris, it was really it was really uh, really kind of not weird but bizarre. <laughs> oh my god, this is this is a interesting um, example. So my girlfriend, uh, she's a singer. She she's um, she she was doing some stuff over in Paris involving her her her, her music, and uh, I was sitting down with her and um, and I guess her friend or or someone that she was working with, and. We were sitting down at this this amazing Korean place. I think it's called On On the Bap. If you're ever in Paris or London, try it out. It's amazing. Um, and we were just eating our chicken, eating our ribs or whatever. Um, and uh, there was this girl who sat down next to us. I didn't think about anything. I didn't I didn't I didn't like notice her or anything like this. Um, and then we were about to leave, and I, I get up to to go to you know the door of the restaurant, and she says, "Ikena." I'm like, "Yes." I'm like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> What wait like it took a little bit of a mental processing like almost the same way like you know your teacher would call your name and but I had no clue who this person was and she was like oh uh, sorry but actually I, I know who you are da, 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 da. I was wondering if it was you yeah you know I'm, I'm your fan and she was actually from America but she was visiting Paris and it was like it was like the coolest thing ever but it also <laughs> made me a little bit paranoid in the sense of, oh I never know who really has noticed me. Yeah. yeah, for example, in Brussels as well, there was this dude, uh, we were on the tram, and he kept on looking at me, like, o- over and over, and I was noticing out of the, the corner of my eye, and then he looked on his phone, and he started, like, smiling, I was like, uh, okay, three, two, one, hey, can I, is that you? And I was like, yep, yep, there you go, so it's... But it, I always appreciate it, it's always flattering, I've never had a, a negative, exam- uh, ne- negative like, experience, um, I attribute that I attribute that to to attribute that to the content that I produce because it's not really super like a lot of drama or anything like that. It's just language learning, so I'm 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 fortunate in that sense. There was another case like we were at this fair in Germany, and this girl ran up to me almost like a Justin Bieber-esque kind of thing. She <laughs> she was like she, I think she must have been like 14, 15 years old. Oh my God, you got the guy from YouTube. She took a, a, a Snapchat of of us together, and then she ran off. Didn't even say anything else. I was like. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, yeah, it happens from time to time. I think I think it started happening after around 100,000 subscribers or something like that. Yeah. So I mean, maybe if uh, if that can motivate some people out there listening, be like, hey, I kind of want that to happen to me, you know, uh, <laughs> just just a little bit. Um, then then it's a, it's another it's a, perhaps another reason to to build up your 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 YouTube. For me, I I don't really think about it too much, but it is like. In the moment, it's very flattering. Or if you have your girlfriend or significant other kind of walking with you, yeah, and someone's yeah, yeah. like, "Hey, you're this is a." It's kind of like you look at them afterwards. You're like, eh, "So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's you know? how popular I am." <laughs> yeah, like, or for example, if you were on a date or something, and yeah, someone comes yeah. up to you, uh, oh, that's 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 big big uh, big points right there. <laughs> yeah. So, 
So, um, but yeah, it's it's always super flattering, and I always appreciate whenever anyone does that. And if someone's watching that knows who I am and they see me on the street, definitely come up to me. Uh, you know, we can have a quick chat or take a photo or whatever, whatever you like. Yeah, cool. Um, let's talk a little bit about the business. We briefly mm -hmm. discussed it before. Um, your yeah, w w what is your business actually? I mean, you make some revenue from AdSense. Uh, where does most of the revenue come from? Is it is it the ebook that you are selling, or is it courses? Is it something? Um, else? So sponsorships? Do you do that? As yeah. Well? So I would say it, it's kind of uh, a split. So um, I would say affiliate like YouTube, YouTube AdSense, um, any affiliate deals, sponsorships. And anything that I sell, those are like the four, the four main streams. Affiliates, affiliate being like you know, like for example, a company gives me a percentage every single time, like someone signs up with their, with their link. Um, YouTube AdSense, just the, you know, the ads that I make from 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 my from my videos, or the the, the money I make from the ads from my videos. Um, sponsorships, so for example, like Italki has has sponsored me before and everyone else actually because they that's what they do um but but um like stuff like that and then um uh, yeah like my my ebooks my 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 um any any products that i have um gen generally in terms of a split it really depends on the month uh what is higher what is, what is, what is lower but i would i would say that um, generally, YouTube AdSense is always pretty consistent, not necessarily the highest. Um, sponsorships definitely are quite nice, and affiliate especially are quite nice. Once you have a large audience, if you find a language learning program that you're really passionate about, uh, that you can kind of affiliate kind of program with, uh, I would definitely do that. So, for example, uh, for me, I even reached out to a few programs that I used, um, like personally, to learn my languages, and I reached out to them. I was like, um, hey, I really like your stuff. I have this audience. Would you be interested if I, you know, talk about your your product and and you know and we can do some kind of affiliate deal? Because in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm already going to talk about it. So if they can yeah, give me some money, yeah, 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 that, yeah. that's that's pretty cool. And um, I I reached out to people. I think that's a big thing as well. You can't always just wait for people to come to you. There's a lot of language learning businesses that are, they're still kind of in the olden days in terms of kind of influencer marketing and stuff like that they don't do it so uh, but they're open to it and they see it all they see it everywhere but they're just waiting for the right person to kind of contact them and and reach out so i would definitely say like hey if you have uh, a significant kind of audience or even you know you're just starting off but you want to make connections reach out to programs that you really like um, for example, if you like Michelle Thomas, maybe they do something. If you like Pimsleur, maybe they do something. If you like uh, iTalk, you use it all the time. Uh, they definitely do something. So, so uh, reach out. Don't be afraid. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about running YouTube retargeting ads because is that something that you mm -hmm. have been doing for uh, for quite a while? How does it work exactly? What is it? And yeah. So how's it been working for you? Yeah, so YouTube retargeting ads is basically when you target. Um, well, in advertising, there's like essentially cold advertising. And there's warm advertising. Cold advertising is when like you see like a random ad 
um, on, on Facebook and you don't, you know, kind of know where it came from, you haven't really interacted with the person who created the ad or anything like this. Warm advertising is when you are advertising to people who are already kind of warm. They already know who you are or interacted with your stuff before. So YouTube retargeting is basically when you can, um, you can target like people who've watched your videos uh, or people who um, have like, can like, consumed your content or bought something from you or anything like that. And you can essentially um, run your ads uh, at, at them or, or, or towards them. So for example, if, if someone watches my video, you know, maybe in a few days they will get an ad from, from me talking about a product that I have or, uh, or anything really. If you want to have this big announcement saying, hey, I'm going to be creating this big thing or this book, please pre-order it. Uh, you can also do, you know, a retargeting ad like that. And it's super, super effective, to be honest. It's probably, um, in general, warm advertising is much more effective than cold advertising. So if you can um, advertise, if you want to run advertisements, if you feel like that's suitable for your business, then I would recommend to to definitely kind of look into, it's called retargeting. Um, and you can basically run ads to people who have already, you know, consumed your content. And those people are the people who, who already um, know you, who trust you. Yeah, they already know you, they trust you. And, and typically you get the biggest return on investment for that. Um, uh, for whatever reason, YouTube actually, not only like when people are browsing YouTube, but like also on my actual videos, they put my, my advertisements. And my, my fans always find that super hilarious when they see when they click on it, kind of like on one of my videos and like my ad pops up and then they think it's the actual video and then they see skip ad and they're kind of a bit confused. Um, but in general, like as long as you don't overdo it and there's different, there's different settings that Google kind of um, allows you to set. So, you know, someone doesn't see your ad more than twice a week or something. Um, as long as you don't overdo it, it's probably one of the most effective ways to advertise. Um, if you deem it necessary to advertise, sometimes it's not necessary or maybe you feel uncomfortable. Um, it's, it's up to, it's, it's your personal call. But if you do, it's definitely effective. Yeah. So the way you do it is, for example, so someone clicks on a video on YouTube and then you pop up there. Hey, it's you kind of here, by the way. Mm -hmm. You know, you have this problem, I have the solution, I wrote this book that will help you do this and this and this and this, the benefits. Yeah. And then you say, if you want, go get it now, urgency, yeah. get it today for a discount. People go to over to your website and they buy the book. Essentially, essentially. And and the thing is, I think a lot of people have already experienced retargeting ads, but they don't realize it. Retargeting ads is not only on YouTube, but it's on, on, it's on Facebook as well. Sometimes when you're searching for this uh, new um, motherboard for your PC or this new like you know graphics card for your PC and you've been searching, searching, and then all of a sudden on Facebook, on your Instagram, on YouTube, it's advertisements of, of the same thing that you were just looking at is starting to pop up. You're like, oh, Facebook is tracking me. What the hell? What the hell is going on? But it's actually Facebook Pixel. It's, it's, it's specifically designed so you can, you know, advertise the people who are already interested in you. So you might have already seen some of these like kind of retargeting ads, but you haven't noticed that maybe, you know, you've watched a YouTuber before and then all of a sudden five days later, his ad pops up and you're like, oh, I know this guy. That was most likely was a retargeting ad. Yeah. So what are some of the results that we can expect with this kind of campaigns? I mean, mm -hmm. let's say if you have a YouTube channel, a big, because you need to have a big audience, right? Otherwise you don't have anyone to retarget. So let's say you have a big YouTube audience and you have a product as well. Assuming that your offer is okay, what can we mm -hmm. expect? Like one euro in, two euros out? 
Was that unrealistic or much more? Um, it, it's definitely going to depend on your content how and how well you sell it. You know, you can say, "Hey guys, uh, I have this book. Um, buy it, please." And <laughs> no, no one's gonna know it. You're gonna have you're gonna have zero zero euros for one euro that you put in. Um, but if assuming that your copy is very good and that the advertisement is is very good and and kind of catchy, um, yeah, it's super effective. I mean. At least it, it it declines over like over time, but at least like when I started, it was like you know four dollars for every one dollar that I put in, and it was it was super it was super effective. It does run out eventually. There's a thing called ad fatigue where if you show someone the same ad for the you know for a year, it's not going to be as effective as it was in the beginning. But certainly in the beginning, I would say like a four to one ratio, like it was it was it was very effective. Mm. Great. You are working on an app, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Want to talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that? Like, well, what's sure. what's 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 the plan? What, what's what's yeah? Tell us a little bit about. Um. It. So the plan, 100%. Well, the the entire plan is still quite under wraps, but I can I can kind of talk about what I've already like publicly kind of um, uh, exclaimed or, or 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 said. So, um, generally, um, with over the last maybe eight years of learning various different languages, I, um. Um, I have kind of gone from that beginner, not knowing any kind of method, not knowing how to start, not knowing um, the slightest thing about language learning to someone who knows what works and knows what doesn't work and knows how I stay motivated and how my fans stay motivated. One of the benefits of having such a big audience is the fact that I can I can see like what the audience what my audience is responding to i can see how you know a lot of the times they're complaining about duolingo or or other um or other platforms because they feel like it's not super effective i can see how they can how how sometimes they're complaining about textbooks because they're super dry and they always get bored and end up quitting or rosetta stone they get bored they end up quitting or any of these these apps that have all this stock footage you know of someone smiling and it's like man you know, this beautiful Apple stock footage, Apple, you know, a lot of these things, people tend to get bored. So my thought was, why not, instead of creating, you know, a bunch of courses teaching people how I learned, you know, French or how I learned Japanese or how I learned the the different languages, why not create a a proper app uh, teaching people just in general um, in, in a way that I wish I was taught when I was 15 years old. I w- why not create like that dream app, essentially, that I wish I had when I was 15 years old um, and something that instead of having to go to a bunch of different kind of places, for example, first you use Duolingo, then you use, you know, ASML, then you use X and Y and X and Y and italki and all this thing. Oh, you probably will still have to use italki, but, but you know, uh, Tandem, all these things. Why not just kind of, Put it in, in in one place um, and and make it as fun as possible. So that's essentially the goal. That's what we're we're um, we're, we're we're trying to do. It's one of the biggest benefits of having an audience, right? You have you, you can just survey them. If you have a new product yeah. idea, you can just ask them, and you get all I, this feedback. Yeah. I tell you what. Um, basically, I I put out a video called like I'm I'm creating my own language learning app and I and I gave nine example features that I thought could be pretty cool and let people vote on like essentially let it um, I let people vote on them to see what are the most you know what are the top three or four most successful features or most popular features that we definitely need to add because we're not going to add everything um, and thirty thousand people ended up voting and 
10,000 people ended up um, actually writing suggestions for feature editions. And me, (laughs) being, I couldn't ignore that. So at least I went through, it must have been 2,000 to 3,000 uh, individual feature applicant, like feature edition requests. And I read every single one of them. And like, like an, like an AI or like an artificial intelligence, I kind of just, I went through the whole entire list. I, I didn't mark down, okay, like, you know, 10 people said this, nine people said this, but I, I looked for the recurring kind of pattern in terms of what people are really, really looking for. And based off of that, I kind of made, um, you know, the, the direction of where the app should, should go into. Um, but yeah, it was crazy. I think it, it, it broke my brain after, after, after a while. It was literally like, I did it for five hours straight and I got through like 400, uh, of them. So out of the, out of the 3000, yeah, it took a very long time, but, uh, that's, that's one of the benefits of, even if you have 5,000 or or 10,000 subscribers, you don't need to, you don't need to, uh, to have hundreds of thousands of people to know what works. Typically you will know with, with 50 people, if you survey them, what, 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 what works. So um, another tip that I can give people actually for, for YouTube on that topic is once you start developing a, a sizable audience, one of the things that I kind of do, I like to A-B test my titles. So before I, I post a video, I say, hey, guys, help me choose the most clickable title. Hmm. Um, or if not do that in a poll on, on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. I do that on the community tab uh, and you can do that in a poll. Um, and that. That by itself has helped my channel tremendously, especially with the VR chat things and stuff like that. Because instead of instead of putting, you know, um, American guy goes in VR chat and speaks a bunch of different languages and, and surprises some people, um, they suggested Polyglot speaks 11 languages in, in VR chat. And uh, it was like the, the ratio was like 80% of people like that one better. So I was like, oh, okay, let me go with that. And you know, YouTube is about thumbnails and it is about titles primarily um, in terms of what actually gets people to click on your content. So you can you start even starting with 100 subscribers, 500 subscribers, uh, 1,000 subscribers. I would consider that like a pro tip in terms of um, getting the most out of your videos. No one wants to create a video, spend so much work on it, and then it gets 10, 10 views, right? So use all the tools that you're disposable to make sure that your video is uh, is going to do as, as as good as as possible as well as possible. Yeah. So your audience is not just a crowd that's that is watching your videos, but eventually it's also a company asset, right? It's like a resource. It's like a yeah. place where you go when you when when you want feedback. Definitely. Um, and that way, the bigger the crowd, yeah, the more help, the more the more help. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like the old saying is is two heads are better than one. Well, how about like you know thirty thousand or 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 something like that? It's really like um, there was an anime I watched a bit. Maybe some people have seen it. It's called Psychopaths, where basically they had this this artificial intelligence system, which was contained, but it wasn't artificial. It was actually real people, and it was like brains. And it was like there was this whole like g- ginormous like room of of brains, like kind of linked to this computer system, like thousands of brains. And it's kind of it's kind of similar to that, like. Yes, you can. For me, I've definitely gotten some some ego hits when I, I have like, oh, this is going to be the best title, and then I submit it to my audience, and then it does the worst out of like five titles. I'm like, oh, okay. You never really know what. You can only do what what you think people will like, but when you actually have that 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 tangible feedback of what people are telling you that they 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 like or what they want to see, it's so much easier. I mean, you can even come up with new videos that way. You can say, hey guys, what what 
what videos would you like me to make? What on what topics? You will get maybe a hundred people, five hundred people, a thousand people submit ideas, and you can you, know, you can you can choose your favorite ones, and then you can even poll people on hey, out of these four video ideas, which one do you want to see me to do next? And you might have sixty percent of your audience choose one, and you know which one to do. Mm. Thank you, Kenneth. Thank you for sharing all this wisdom, all these tips. Of course. Um, yeah, it's been really interesting talking to you on the podcast. Um, like if people want to know more about you, then where can they go? Uh, so you can go to my YouTube channel, uh, which is uh, Ikena. Just my my first name is spelled I K E N N A. Um, alternatively, you can go to my Instagram, which is. Uh, Ikena Obi, which is my first name plus my last name, which is OBI. And uh, apart from that, yeah, uh, hopefully you'll, you'll just see me pop up every now and then on YouTube. Thanks, Ikena. See you next time. Yeah, thank you, man. Want to learn how you can grow your language business or maybe meet us at one of our upcoming events? Then go to our website, langpreneur.com. Thanks for listening and see you in the next episode.